I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SlyOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date. Whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SlyOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Welcome to another podcast at SlyOffice.com, brought to you by our friends at the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, Madison Teamsters, Local 695, and of course, our friends at the Operating Engineers, Local 139. Joining us now, Chris Larson, State Senator from Milwaukee, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, the governor's budget and the Republicans screaming that uh, he has items in the budget that don't belong there. It should be nothing but budgetary. Now, Senator, you have served under uh, a couple governors now. Did Scott Walker ever put policy items in the budget? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> proudly. Proudly he did. He would go in there and uh, pass as much as they possibly could. And frankly, what what is it's not even that that that's the remarkable hypocrisy it's that the republicans would always shoehorn in things that should not have been in the budget um usually right at the very end after all the hearings after all the public scrutiny and after people have had their say um when they thought people weren't paying attention they try and slide things in there so you know, not to just be, be vague about it, I think of a very clear example when they try to gut open records laws in the state of Wisconsin, um, where they slid that in just before the 4th of July break. And uh, luckily, Journal Sentinel hadn't um, closed up shop for the holidays yet, picked up on it and put it right on their front page, uh, along with everybody's uh, name and phone number to say, um, what the heck are you trying to do in trying to stop access to open records in our in our state, which is which is known for that? Um, and I remember it because I was walking in the Fourth of July parade the next day, and it come out pretty strongly against it. Um, but there was more than one folks along the route who held up their paper and said, "What do you think of this? What are you doing about this?" So uh, <laughs> they've they've tried this before. Luckily, that that piece they pulled back on, but there was a list of at least thirty things in that budget alone. Um, policy-related, not budget-related, that they tried to, to jam in there. So it's, it's um, for anybody who's got a memory, um, there is no level of, of, of genuineness to what they're saying, and everybody knows that. So what are your rules for what belongs in the budget and what doesn't, ir- irrespective of who the governor is? Yeah, I mean, I think if it, if it makes sense to put on, uh, put in over the course of it, um, I don't think it's necessarily a horrible thing to, to be able to add policy pieces in there. Obviously, the budget is the biggest document that needs to pass. I, I think that maybe there's an old school adherence to saying, ah, policy should be discussed and debated uh, on the sides. I, I think as long as it is, it is that the public has a chance to have a say in it, um, I don't think it's necessarily a horrible thing to be able to have policy within a budget because, frankly, there's, there's big changes, fundamental changes that need to happen. And the line gets blurred of whether that's policy or not. 
you know, what I object to is where you're throwing things in at the very end. Um, let me give you an example of that. The, the passage of um, unaccountable voucher schools in the state of Wisconsin, every single time they have been expanded, including when they were originally introduced back in the, the 80s, every single time it was a late addition to a budget. And the public never had a say-so in it. And here we are 30-plus years, and we still haven't had a straight up-or-down vote um, or a public hearing on, on the voucher system as a whole. So I think those things are where you you go out of line and are trying to, uh, you know, usurp the, the public process. So you take, for instance, uh, legalizing marijuana. Uh, that clearly has an economic implication on the state. And if you uh, if you drive by the dispensary in Illinois in South Beloit, right, which is literally blocks from right. the state of Wisconsin, guess what license plates fill the parking lot? They're black and white. They have a little barn on them with a little sailing sun. <laughs> Does that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I, uh, I I mentioned this to. Um you know, very early on in the budget process and well before that of, of saying, look, we need to uh, not just decriminalize, but fully legalize in the state of Wisconsin marijuana. And, uh, you know, what what was funny is, um, you know, there's a bunch of things I'd like to have seen put into the budget. Um, but this is one where the, the Governor Evers immediately responded that, that when he has his conversations with Governor Pritzker of Illinois, uh, the governor <clears throat> always kind of tongue-in-cheek thanks the governor for not having legal marijuana in our state because we flood so much money into their state from Wisconsinites. Right. It's it's uh, not just that location. It's Schaumburg. It's, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People people crossing over. So that's to the tune of, frankly, hundreds of millions of dollars um, in revenue, um, not just in, in, in tax, not, you know, much less how much could be brought in in taxes. So yeah, it's it's. But they won't even do. They won't even do medical marijuana. No, we're that far behind. I know Wisconsin is just. It's that. It's that ridiculous. I feel like we're what ten years behind, fifteen years behind, uh, the cutting edge of this. You know, right now it almost seems like it's a race of whether this is going to pass federally. Right, pass for the entire right. country before Wisconsin finally gets its. Gets Although that's one issue uh, President Biden is not good on. He is not good on that issue. That is, uh, he's still living a little old school on that. Uh, for instance, uh, I talked to uh, a former state representative, a Republican, and uh, I said, what's the deal with this? He goes, oh, none of these legislators give a crap about the issue. They, they're fine with it, but they don't want to be pestered at the chicken dinners by old people. That old people, you know, that are part of the Republican base, get in their faces, and they don't want to, and they don't want to deal with it. That doesn't seem like a very good reason. Uh, we've seen the no. polling on this to not legalize marijuana. No, I mean we would still have not about like <clears throat> ended abolition if that were the case, right? If that were the justification uh, of of people are worried of a small fringe of people being upset about it and frankly, still buying into the propaganda of reefer madness and thinking that this leads to psychosis and other problems. You know what I yeah. learned after my grandparents died years ago? You know what they did during Prohibition? They oh, went to they? speakeasies in Milwaukee. All my grandparents, all four right. of them, 
Yes. Right. And as you look back on that flyer, you like, oh my gosh, oh, with shame. You know, I can't believe. No, I, I, I got a good belly. I got a good belly laugh out of it. Right. Right. I think that's where you know, you know, when when kids, our kids and grandkids are going to look back on this, they're going to be like, what the heck? Why was this? Why was this illegal? What? What? How long did this stupidity last? I mean, you can go back. It, it's you know I think there's you have to step outside of what you were taught in, in in dare and actually look at what the what the motivations were right this was this was part of Nixon and then continued with uh, with Reagan of trying to figure out how to uh, lock up and criminalize people who were opposed to their agenda um, in Vietnam and uh, um, and uh, their economic policies and they said well we can't just outright outright uh, just arrest, um, you know, these, these folks, the hippies and black leaders. And so they, they figured out a, a way to do that. And they said, ah, here's the way we can just say, we can just criminalize marijuana and, and label it as a level one narcotic. These are documents you can go and look at. And, uh, they use that as the auspices to be able to arrest, criminalize people and lock them up to frankly suppress their first amendment rights and, uh, uh, their ability to protest horrible, horrible policies you know here we are 50 years later still dealing with the repercussions of that and how many lives have been shattered in the meantime yeah and in the meantime there's a an economic consequence for it here is state representative tony kurtz talking about the budget well and i i said this on thursday in my testimony when i i did some speaking you know i was last budget cycle was my obviously was my first budget and i i said on thursday at the committee hearing how proud i was of that budget and remember you know we crafted that budget the governor did some minor changes but ultimately he signed that budget uh i was proud of that and so what we did on thursday is we basically went to base budget something that Republicans agreed on something that the governor agreed on, and so now we're going to build off that base budget. So much of the conversation on Thursday before that vote focused on Badger Care expansion. Now, Wisconsin's one of just 12 states at this point that have not adopted Medicaid expansion. None of those other states are in the Midwest. So Wisconsin's on an island here. Why should Wisconsin not extend Medicaid to more people when it could save money in the process? Well, you know, one thing I what what gets lost in the shuffle is we are state. We, we are very fortunate. Any metrics you look at our Wisconsin healthcare, our hospitals, we are always in the top two, three, four percent of top quality care. So I, I think where we lose the discussion is between Republicans and Democrats. We basically want the same thing. We want people to have good quality health care it's the argument is okay do you want the government or do you want you know public assistance to to do the health care or do you want the private sector and and that's the argument so what my colleagues obviously the democrats they they want the, the medicaid they want that medicaid expansion what what people aren't hearing is the roughly 90,000 people that we're talking about that, that would be qualified under Medicaid can get insurance. They can go to the private sector. That's available. It's heavily subsidized. Now, what's your those ideas? All right. And A.J. Bioport cross-examined him further, saying, hey, it's not really affordable. He did his homework. But I thought I'd play that clip so you could respond. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it, is, it is remarkable how out of touch 
that statement is, um, given anybody who has ever tried to get access to health care without having insurance through their employer, um, or, um, God forbid, if they are one of the many, many people who have what's known as a pre-existing condition uh, of trying to go out and get coverage. I've, I've been in that boat, uh, having had asthma since uh, age five. And remember thinking, okay, healthcare. I'm a healthy person. I run marathons, right? I, I keep pretty in pretty good shape. Um, shouldn't cost too much to insure me. Going out on the open market, can't get anything. Can't get anything covered uh, unless they say, okay, here's the major medicines that you need. We won't cover those. We'll cover you for other stuff. So the open marketplace is, is a mess. And frankly, the idea that, that uh, people are going to have some ideological um, you know, ideas of, of whether they should get health care or not, whether who's paying for it, uh, whether it's from a private market or public market. People, people want access to affordable health care. That's it, especially when they are getting sick, they are dying, and uh, we could cover them. It's a moral imperative that we cover these 90,000 people who are not covered. And frankly, the fact that we can accept federal dollars to the tune of $1.6 billion dollars to make sure that they get improved care and we can we can benefit from that as an entire state is is ridiculous and frankly we already accept federal dollars to be able to help subsidize um, the other individuals who fall under a hundred percent of poverty um, so the idea that we're going to bump it up by going from 100 percent to 133 percent is somehow you know somehow the line that ideologically we can't cross when 40, 38 other states have already done it is, is ridiculous. It, who is lobbying, who is lobbying against this? No, this is, I mean, this is 100% being on the wrong track from the beginning. Um, this is that, that Scott Walker, under his ID, like, he looked at it, he made his political calculation and said because this was started by Barack Obama, we can't have anything to do with it. This is kind of a version of Obamacare. If you remember, this is something the states had the rights to accept it or not because of the Supreme Court case and the way that they interfered on this. And so what ended up happening is is they, you know, states had the ability to decide to expand or not. And uh, Scott Walker, seeing his his political fortune up in the off in the distance he followed the path of saying well we're going to reject anything that has anything to do with Barack Obama so this is just ideology i mean it's not even an idea it's not even an ideology because this would save us a whole heck of a lot of money um, it is just following one bad decision and just sticking with it through the end and what's you know what's remarkable about it is is you know last time i checked scott walker isn't the governor Right, so we've had over two years where we could, of course, correct it and said, you know what, this is fine. Um, this makes more. This makes sense. And frankly, just about every other state has done this. Right, thirty-eight states. There's a couple of them who are already moving forward. And frankly, there's a, you know, there's a sweetener that was added to it to make it that much more enticing um, to make sure that this is expanded. But is there any well, way to do an end run around them? You know, I know. It's so funny because Kentucky, which is considerably more conservative than Wisconsin, when yeah. when then Governor Steve Beshear called it Kentucky Care, it was popular. Right. Then he, you know, he was term limited out, and then the right wing governor came in and started attacking it. The conservative voters of Kentucky threw him out. 
they got mad at him for, for attacking their health care. And now Steve Bashir's son is governor and he's putting some of that stuff back in place. Right. Right. No, and a lot of states are doing this. A lot of states have done this. It's just, it's just absolutely, it's absolutely silly. There isn't, there isn't a clear ideological, um, explanation for why we're not doing this. Are they protecting, are they protecting insurance companies? Do insurance companies not want this? What? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, it, I don't think that that necessarily makes the most sense because the folks who, those 90,000 folks who would benefit from it are folks who can't regularly afford health care anyways and are not on major health plans because these are folks who are, you know, just to go into the details if you want to, it's the folks who are underneath 133% of the poverty line, um, which is which is, is they're not making a ton of money. So the idea that these ninety thousand folks are adding to the bottom line of these insurance companies is ridiculous, right? These are folks that they're not necessarily competing for. It's just it's just this strict following of what this decision was so many years ago, and and if this decision continues to, to they continue to go down this path, Wisconsin will have lost out on three point two billion extra dollars that's not 3.2 billion dollars just to to do the expansion that's extra money that the state would free up because we're spending wisconsin taxpayer money uh to 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 do the match to do our 40 percent wow. match of covering uh folks who already hit that line so it, it, you know sometimes it gets complex like right so it's an easier way to look at it would be like if you're going to a restaurant and you've got a coupon uh, that says 60% off, okay? And you go to the restaurant, and they go and they say, you know what, we can actually give you even more, but here's the, here's the catch. Uh, we'll cover all of it for you. And you say, well, wait a second. I'm leaving this restaurant. I don't want to do that. You take my money. You take the 40%. Um, it doesn't make any sense. They're literally <laughs> flushing money down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is it. And we could cover more people. We would get that funding and their justification for it. You know, their justification for it is, well, we, they might stop giving us that money at some point in the future. We'll take a, we'll take a break there and be right back with state Senator Chris Larson on sliceoffice.com. Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers. We're back at sliceoffice.com with State Senator Chris Larson talking about the budget. All right, so the Republicans have stripped out. Oh, by the way, Sly's Office brought to you by Madison Computer Works and Jeff's Guitar Clinic. Uh, Senator, they've stripped out, what, close to 400 items out of the gover governor's budget. 
What else has been atrocious through this process and what they've stripped out? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. Um, there's 380 different pieces of of uh, of, 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 um, uh, of things in the budget that were pulled out. We've already talked about Badger Care. We've talked about the uh, decriminalization and legalization of, of marijuana. Um, but the list goes on of, of a number of different things, including common sense gun reforms, um, especially especially if you look at the timing of when this happened. It happened just five days after the shooting up in Green Bay uh, at a casino restaurant um, that, frankly, could have been addressed by something called extreme risk protection orders. It would make it easier for folks who are high risk, who are threatening violence, uh, to be able to have a court intervene. Uh, and be able to stop those shootings from happening. They decided to, to pull that out of the budget. Universal background checks on gun purchases, um, a lot of grant programs to be able to uh, to, to help uh, address gun violence. See, I, I am very pro-Second Amendment, and I don't have a problem with any of those things. Look what happened in Indiana. They had a red flag law, but it wasn't enforced, and look what happened at FedEx. Right. The man's right. gun was taken away, but they didn't used the red flag law, so he immediately went out and bought two assault rifles and killed eight of his co-workers. That's what we're talking about here. Right. Right. And this is, yeah. And these are these are things where it actually does save lives. And I think sometimes we grow numb. Uh, we grow numb after a while, right? Because it is a, uh, because these things keep happening in America. So they, they end up filling the news. Um, but these are these are preventable. Other states have figured out how to cut down on gun deaths. Frankly, other countries have figured it out by just instituting common sense reforms. And unfortunately, we are we are refusing to do that. Um, we have refused to do that. And so um, we, you know, in Wisconsin, we've had two mass shootings over just the last few months. And people should be asking for, you know, basically Democrats have put forward. Uh, ideas. Uh, the governor had called a special session to try and address gun violence. He added this into the budget. Democrats have introduced other other pieces in addition to this. And frankly, the republic this isn't a two sides thing. The Republican response has uh, has been to say, "Well, let's just do nothing and let's just keep watching and you know, cross your fingers, thoughts and prayers." Yeah, workplace safety seems to be something that is becoming a, a real growing concern, whether it be at the Kroger Roundy's facility in Oconomowoc or what happened up at Oneida. Uh, everybody goes to work, right? This is something. Those aren't just uh, Democrats getting mowed down. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's stunning because it was, I mean, we had a mass shooting in, in, uh, in my neighborhood in Oak Creek uh, nine years ago uh, where, where a guy went into a place of worship and killed six people, right? Um and they, I mean, the, the, the country rallied at that point around the, uh, the Sikh community. Even the, the, the you know, the, uh, Paul Ryan, right before he was named to the Mitt Romney ticket, was there. And, and instead of, of actually doing something, we, we had these, these candle vigils, but actually being able to fix it and, and do pass laws just never did that. You know, I so, happened to be there that day. I was dropping somebody off at the airport, and so I, I stopped no, by the... Yeah, I stopped by the the kind of the media center, and uh, that was a remar remarkably horrible day. I, I wish former Mayor Scafidi would use his radio pulpit now to uh, say some of the things he used to say when he was mayor of Oak Creek. 
Let me ask you a little bit about some of the other things in the budget are you that you're concerned about, and what do you think this is all going to look like by the time it's done? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that there's, there's um, unfortunately, as you mentioned, there's 380 things that got pulled out, um, you know, other things that would help address uh, PFOS contamination, which right now Wisconsin doesn't have a clear standard that's been suspended. Uh, PFAS are forever chemicals, and they're 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 poisoning folks. Um, there was also a measure in there to guarantee that we'd have re- fair redistricting, um, backup holdout, which is huge, right? Of trying to unrig the system so that people actually have a fair shot in our democracy, um, and then of course restoring um, uh, the dignity to workers by allowing them to access collective bargaining for some public employees, particularly those who are on the front lines. Uh, during this pandemic um, and repealing the harmful uh, with so-called uh, right to work, which basically diminishes the power of, of workers to, to uh, be at the negotiating table with employers. All of these things and more were pulled out. Um, and so now the question is, as we move forward, they, they did this. And what's really remarkable is, is you would assume, right, you would assume by the rhetoric that they did this and say, ah, well, we saved ourselves a whole heck of a lot of money. Uh, by pulling out these these things. You know what the remarkable thing is, Sly, is they actually created a huge budget hole by passing these things. So they actually made it harder on themselves because there was revenue in these things, right, of being able to access federal dollars and, frankly, reversing some of these things called the manufacturer tax credit, which basically wipes out uh, the tax responsibility of, of uh, some of the biggest, most profitable companies in the state, and shifts it over to you. Wouldn't be talking about else. you. Wouldn't be talking about ABC Building Supply and Diana Hendricks, would you? Right. I mean, she <laughs> she she benefits huge. I think she's she and the eleven top earners in the state uh, have paid nothing. Right. In some of the recent filings, and so you know, governor Democrats looked at this and said, "Well, that doesn't seem to make sense." You know, the grocery store clerk is paying more than that. Um, you know, fellow driving the bus is paying more than that. Teachers are paying more than that in their taxes. Why shouldn't they? Said, okay, well, we'll correct that. Unfortunately, the Republicans decided that that's, that's that can't stand. Rich people should 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 keep all of uh, all of their wealth. And so there's a huge hole now. So what worries me is we've still got another month or so before the budget is is supposed to be finished. Is is that there is a, a hole that has not been filled. Um, and that that is to the tune of over $3 billion that they're going to have to try and fill. And all indications point to they're, they're going to wait a little bit, they're going to let some time go over, and then they're going to try and come upon this like it's a, it's a brand-new problem that they didn't know about. And they're going to say, oh, gosh, we've got this, this $3 billion-plus hole we have to fill. What are we going to do? Well, oh, gosh, we don't have a choice. And they're probably going to gut public education, K-12 education, higher ed, because, frankly, that's what they've done for the last you know, decade that I've been around and well before that of, of going after our public schools and, frankly, diminishing the quality of education because they, they refuse to fund it to, uh, to the degree that our kids deserve. And the governor will veto that. What do you think is going to come out in the wash? That's a good question. I... Um, it's it's not as easy as 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 being able to 
to just try and veto it, right? Because he's got limitations on what he can and can't do. It'd be something to see the governor veto the whole darn thing if it gets as bad as, as these guys seem to be going, almost daring him to do. Um, and then try and see what, what ends up, um, what ends up coming out of it. But uh, those fights remain to be seen. They're going right now, uh, division by division, department by department, um, and still going to be changing some things. So we've got to see what they ended up putting forward before the governor is going to try and figure out which cards to play. But I would, I would love to see the governor step forward and, and really fight on some of these issues that really matter for, for Wisconsinites, funding K-12 education, uh, of expanding access to health care and making sure the rich pay their fair share and unrigging the system. All of these are universally popular and poll well over 60%. People want this to work. They want the state to work, and they're sick of uh, this partisan, you know, cliff-diving act uh, where they're trying to drag the rest of the state off with them. Are things better, worse, the same with Devin Lemahue as majority leader versus Scott Fitzgerald? Uh, remains to be seen. <laughs> remains to be seen. Um, I mean, we're still, we were in session. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but this, we, we were in session on, on Tuesday and the, they still were pushing for, uh, election changes that are based off of the big lie, uh, that Donald Trump's told that are specifically going to make it harder to vote. So, it's one thing to just have decorum and, and being able to get along. It's another of like, what are we actually doing? Are we actually helping things? And that remains to be seen. Well, you know, it's hard not to take it personally because for the first time in my life, um, somebody tried to throw out my vote, to disenfranchise my vote. I've been involved civically, and I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I've been involved in politics since, you know, I was in my early teens trying to be as civic-minded as possible and caring, and I would never break the law. And it, somebody tried to disenfranchise my vote. And it's hard not yeah. to take that personally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is, <laughs> you know, there's two ways to approach this when Republicans are getting, you know, they're, they're following an ideology that is completely, is getting more and more uh, unpopular, right? And we've talked about all those issues, so no, no need to rehash them so people understand that, but these are, you know, how do you get reelected by being so unpopular, by opposing such popular ideas, affordable health care, taxing the rich, making people pay their fair share? Um, you know, one way is to say, well, maybe we should actually adjust our policies so that the public actually understands these and we're in line with what people actually want. That would be how a democracy should work. Um, the other one is to say, well, how about we limit who can vote, right? Let's make it harder uh, for the people who don't support us to actually have their voice registered in a democracy. And unfortunately, time and time again, they have chosen the latter, right, of, of uh, adding barriers to being able to, 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 to vote. And they've already done this. Uh, they've done this for years. And now they're just looking to add new arbitrary blockades uh, from people being heard, which is, yeah, I mean, it's, anti, it's anti-democratic. And unfortunately, it's based on the, the, the huge anti-democracy big lie of the previous president. And this, so, is, and this is filtered down to them literally doing nothing during the pandemic, including yeah. protecting their own <laughs> lives and yours. You say you have asthma. We know about uh, legislators requesting 
requesting help from the Speaker of the Assembly who have yep. underlying conditions. And yeah. you have legislators not wearing masks that haven't been vaccinated yeah. in your chamber. Yeah. Yeah, and they just shifted the seats so we're all sitting right next to each other. So, yeah, there's a it, it is absolutely remarkable. Um, but, you know, luckily, um, I think all, if not most, of the, the, the Democrats, I know in the Senate chamber everyone's vaccinated. The Assembly, I know there's a couple who are still waiting for to, to go through the final final steps. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, cry me a river as a, as a legislator. I have to, you know, sit next to these, these guys who are mouth breathing. It's another to, to, to realize these are the ones who are setting the policy for this state. And if they're willing to put themselves, their coworkers, and their staff in danger, it's, it becomes pretty clear that, yes, their policies are also doing the same, right, where they are second-guessing those who are, who are on the front lines of tackling this pandemic for the last year um, and, frankly, refusing to support them. Um, you know, and, and being able to recognize their good deeds and their good work by actually compensating them with paid time off, with increasing the, the minimum wage, with having access to health care. This is, I think, you know, the, the, the lesson that should come out of this pandemic is people really need to have paid time off uh, so that they can do the right thing, especially if they're feeling ill, so that they're not spreading a disease to their neighbors and their, their coworkers and customers. That would be the benefit of coming out of this, unfortunately, you know, when they're not even willing to take those steps for those immediately around them. It becomes pretty clear that, yeah, their policies follow right in that same train of thought. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of bridge of people that are reasonable that you can work with. That there's, there's no, There appears to be no dialogue between the two parties and bridge building and consensus building. No, no, not I mean, I wish I could. There's a, there's a few things here and there around the around the edges, right? We can rally around things that are universally accepted. We passed a, a bill to um, to acknowledge and teach about the Holocaust, um, you know, and that took a couple of years, but that was a big one. We finally got that through. Um, but as far as things that, that 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 benefit directly and immediately and actually respond to, to what's happening on the ground. Unfortunately, we're dealing with the we're dealing with the repercussions, the consequences of a rigged system, a system that's rigged from the very top. And until it gets unrigged, we're, we're going to still continue to have uh, this huge division, these these party divides, and the inability to actually govern and respond in this in a democratic way. We'll you know, do another there. we'll do another yeah. podcast on redistricting. That's. That'll be a full conversation. That'll be a full podcast. State Senator Chris Larson, thanks for coming to Sly'sOffice.com. Always love to. Thank you, Sly. Sly'sOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.